0: Thank you. ready for some
1: football? Yes, we are all ready for some XFL football. In just over 21 weeks, we will get just what we've been waiting for. Welcome to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm Mark Nelson, and I will be your host today. This is the first episode of our podcast. We plan to give you quality XFL news and unique views of the league. So let's get started. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the XFL. Today, we're featuring two interviews. First, we will talk with Trovon Reed, who has been invited to the inaugural XFL draft taking place next month in October. Second, we will talk with Greg Parks, an XFLboard.com reporter who has been tracking players that have received draft invitations and making it public through a Google Docs spreadsheet. Let's not waste any time. Let's get started. We'd like to welcome Trovon Reed to the podcast. He played his college ball in Auburn and was an undrafted free agent when he went on to a few NFL rosters, including the Seahawks, Rams, Dolphins, Chargers, and 49ers. Now he has been invited to the XFL draft. Welcome,
0: Trovon. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, Bob? Thank you for having me. Well, it's,
1: it's great to have you here. So you grew up in Louisiana,
0: right? Yes, sir. Born and raised Thibodeau, Louisiana.
1: Thibodeau, Louisiana. So, is it true that June 29th is Trovan Reed Day in Thibodeau, Louisiana?
0: <laughs> yes, sir. So, what kind of uh, things do they do that day? Um, right. I mean, this year is going to be the first year for uh, last year's my celebrity basketball game is a charity event I do to uh, assist single mothers and cancer patients before and after treatment that my foundation is for. uh, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 17 years old. And it's always something I want to do. And now that I have the platform to do it, I'm doing it. Well, that sounds
1: a very uh, honorable way to to honor your mother. Um, It's nice to hear that. Uh, You attended Thibodeau High School and you graduated in 2010. And I see you were at a high school All-American?
0: Yes, sir. Army All-American.
1: Right. And so that's where you fell in
0: love with the game of football, obviously. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I always had love. I was a basketball guy. I thought I was going to be a hooper. I stopped growing, so I was like, you know what? Football might be my thing. So I excelled in football. So after high school, you played for Auburn? Yes, sir.
1: And you were initially a wide receiver?
0: Yes, sir. Wide receiver slash uh, quarterback.
1: Oh, and then, and then after, and then when you get to the, your senior year, you switch to defensive back? Is that how it went?
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Switched my, and, yep, switched my
1: senior year. Well, how did you come about to that decision?
0: Uh, I, I played corner in the All American game, and I always wanted to play it. It just that here they needed me on offense. So. Once we got enough guys, you know, they could fill in the void, fill in the spots. I was like, "Coach, man, let me go to corner. I can help those guys out." He was like, Are "You sure? We need you over here." I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure." So went you you there. you went and
1: where you wanted to be in that case? Yes, sir. So I see from your Twitter that you're still representing as a
0: war eagle. Oh, without a doubt, everywhere I go, that's your identity that without a doubt i'm an auburn i'm auburn i bleed orange and blue
1: well that's that's how it usually works in alabama isn't it you're auburn or you're a, or you're a roll tide you're either a war eager or roll tide is that is that right 100 correct and the two shall never meet at all i saw a video of you when you're in your nfl playing uh days with the you're playing with the Chargers against the Panthers, and you caught an interception in the red zone and ran it all the way back to the house for six points.
0: <laughs>
1: what is it like to make a play like that?
0: I mean, it's a blessing, man. It's, it's a dream come true. It's, um, it's everything you work for, to be honest. So sometimes it don't. When you work so hard, some of the things you do may surprise others, but it don't surprise you because you know the work you put in. You know, they only see those plays, but they don't see the thousand reps you took to make that same play, you know, and it, it, it's all worth it at the end.
1: So when you see that ball coming to you and it's and you know you can catch it. It's like it's like when you're a kid and you wake up on Christmas morning, right?
0: Yes, sir. At the end of the day, I'm a receiver at heart, you know. I'm right. A receiver my whole life, so when the ball in the air is mine, and that's the approach I take on. It don't matter if I'm at DB or receiver. That's how I feel. That's how I'm a, that's why my ball skills are how they are. I, I play like a receiver on the defensive side of the ball.
1: You go from DB to receiver in a split second, and then you just, just take up the field.
0: Yes, sir. Just that fast. Just that fast. When ball in the air, at the line of scrimmage, I'm a DB. Back to I'm doing that. Soon as I see the ball, I'm a receiver. It's like a switch go off in my head. I got to go up and get the ball. So
1: what what is the secret to being a ball hawk?
0: That's, I, I think it's God-given, man. It's God, it's, it's definitely God-given. Huh? It's something you can't teach, you know. If if, if, a, if a coach tried to teach it to you, you'd be robotic, you know. Like, for example, Ty Matthews in the NFL, in like, you can't teach the things he do. You can't teach the way he get the ball. You just got to go out there and let that guy play football and that's kind of how I am. I just I just play football. I play within the rules. I listen to my coach and I just go out there and I play my game. And that's
1: So you either you either got best. it or you or you, you either got it or you don't got it.
0: And that's it. 100% fact.
1: So do you uh do something like watch the receiver's eyes or the quarterback's eyes? I mean, you must be doing all that while you're watching for the pass.
0: Oh yeah. I um I mean, I got I got I got a few different techniques, you know. You can you can spill out all the beans, but I have a few different techniques that I use to separate myself from a lot of a lot of other guys. Not saying that I'm way better than a lot of other guys, but if I had to bet I'd bet on myself anytime.
1: So uh, you played for Birmingham Iron in the Alliance of American football. Correct. Um, and there was there were some other guys from Arbor on that squad, weren't there?
0: Yes, sir. We was deep out there.
1: So that must have been nice to be back with some of the guys you played with in college.
0: Oh, man, it was nice. We had a, we had a blast, man. I wish that league was still going, to be honest. A lot of people would agree with you
1: that they wish that league was still going. Uh, it was a good league. And Birmingham was headed to the playoffs uh, at the time when it folded. You must, Your squad must have been doing something right.
0: Right, man. We was headed to the playoffs. It was just getting good, and... Boom! It ended like that, but it's okay. So, it, all, me and all my boys will get back together.
1: Basically, the boys are all looking for a football job now, more or less. I'm sure.
0: I I have a few of them that's in the league, but you know, but yeah, mm-hmm. most of us are just looking, looking for another opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's about an opportunity, isn't it? So it must have that must have been a sad day when the uh, A F folded. But uh, that being said, uh, what? What did you think about when the Orlando Apollos proclaimed themselves the AAF champions?
0: That's all talk, man. You know, we were gonna have to see them in the playoffs. They they caught us when we. They're a good team, though. Uh, I mean, they they got every right to say that. I mean,
1: yeah, but there were. Yeah, I I agree with you in that
0: way. I mean, but
1: there would have been a game. Uh, Birmingham would have given them a game, right?
0: Fact. hundred percent fact. Especially when we was all off- healthy.
1: And, and anything anything could happen on the field and on game day.
0: Facts. Right. When we was all healthy, we we was definitely the best team. In yeah.
1: Now let's talk about the XFL. Now the draft is next month in October, and you're on the list, the draft invite list. Which team are you hoping selects Trovon Reed?
0: To be honest, I don't know about any of the teams. So wherever i go i'm gonna be happy I'm gonna be ready they're gonna get electron player they're gonna get somebody who's still hungry they're gonna get a veteran who knows the game of football they're gonna get who who
1: so you're you're saying hungry they're gonna get they're gonna no matter which team selects you they're gonna get a good guy but now uh, how do you stay in shape like what is your recipe for staying in shape
0: I work out Almost every day, you know, you don't want to overwork yourself, so you kind of tone it down. And then, like two months, this this my this my recipe. I don't know how other guys do it. I make sure I give me a good cardio session in every day, a good weightlifting session, but it don't be too too hard. But when I get two months out from my season, that's when I pick it up so I could get my body prepared for combat. Right now, I'm just staying in shape. Just in case you never know, NFL team might call. I got to be ready, so I got to stay ready. You know, I got to stay sharp. I got to keep my feet sharp, keep everything sharp. You know, and I mean, you never know, man. This I was in this position before, and boom, I got a call. Like we need you to come play. I'm like, I'm on my way. You know, so I'll never not be ready. That's my thing.
1: That's a good point. Uh, that you're, you've been, you've been there before. You know, you know the situation that you could get the call at any time.
0: Facts. 100% facts.
1: There's definitely a chance you can work your way back to the NFL.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I still got NFL life,
1: man. And you've got you've got to always have that part of your plan. Facts. You have to. So Trovon, seriously, uh, now, I can tell you that we hope to see that you make an XFL roster come next February. I'd like to see you on the field.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you for coming out today and joining our podcast, and it's much appreciated, and you know this is our first podcast, so there's another feather in your cap, you're on our first podcast, and uh, I want to point out that people can hit you up on Twitter at Trovon Reed, or on your website, trovonreed.net, is that right?
0: 100% correct.
1: So, they should all check out your website and follow you on Twitter and, and keep tabs on how Trovon Reed's doing in his career. Yes, sir. Is there anything else you'd like to add? That's it, boss. Thank you for the interview. Hey, <laughs> awesome. This was great. And uh, I'd like to say that was Trovon Reed. If all goes well, he'll soon be drafted into the XFL for their inaugural season. i'd like to welcome greg parks to the podcast greg is a football fan and an xflboard.com team reporter for the tampa bay vipers uh he's also a wrestling fan and a columnist at pro wrestling torch which is pwtorch.com uh welcome greg thanks for having me mark uh you joined uh, xfl board in, in back in july and, and in the short time you've been associated with the site you've written some great pieces already
2: Well, I appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, You know, I I, it's so it's still weird to me to actually sit back and think that we're talking about the XFL, something that you know was was gone 18 years ago. Thought R.I.P. dead and buried. You know, and the fact that it has come back is still really surreal. And I think it's really going to be even more surreal in february 2020 when they kick off but to you know just to be writing about the league again and everything like that it's just when you take a step back it's it's almost unbelievable
1: yeah i I agree so you were a fan of the original xfl oh yes yep and you followed the orlando rage probably well i was
2: in new york at the time um living there. So I I moved down to Florida where I am now um, about six or seven years ago for work. I didn't really have a favorite team. I guess I was just, you know, sort of in the same boat I am right now, just rooting for the league to succeed. Um, You know, I'm covering Tampa for XFLboard.com just because of my proximity to that team. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat, just, just rooting for the league to succeed. And I think if we get to year two, I think it it's a really really positive sign.
1: When you were a fan of the original XFL, what did you think when the XFL folded?
2: Man, um, I think probably heartbroken is a little too strong of a term, but it was you know it was along those lines. I I thought that you know I was a sophomore in high school, so I was not by any means a football snob, and I remember very clearly watching that first game.
1: Las Vegas and and the Hitmen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I watched. I was
1: watching too. That was good.
2: Yeah, and and I had a couple friends come over to watch it because, I mean, at the time, pro wrestling was big and I had been a long time wrestling fan by that point, but this was the era where, you know, everybody was into wrestling, at least everybody, you know, in high school or whatever like that. So, naturally, by extension, they were kind of interested in the XFL. So, you know, they came over and we watched it and we were excited and, You know, it was great, and then they left, and I wanted to turn on SportsCenter because I wanted to see how it was going to be covered by the mainstream sports media. And, you know, SportsCenter was not – I mean, they would joke about things, but they were not in the habit of editorializing a ton. You know, they were still in that era of of SportsCenter, I should say. They were still, I mean, mainly a news uh, show. But they were just hammering the quality of play in that first game. And that's when I thought, okay, there's some trouble brewing now, you know. Um, so that's, that was my first inkling of concern that the, the mainstream sports media was not going to be kind to this product.
1: Yeah, it was uh, definitely – that started to feel that way, didn't it?
2: Very early on, yeah.
1: Right. Um... Now, uh, in your first article for XFL Board, you wrote about the 30 for 30 ESPN. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wrote about the scene where McMahon sits down with uh, Ebersol. Yeah. And you said, for XFL diehards like myself, it felt like a tease. I mean, there was no way McMahon, now a billionaire, in charge of what has become the WWE media empire would entertain restarting a football league that bombed more than a decade prior. Did you ever think the XFL would come back? No,
2: I, never seriously. Um, you know, I thought when it first folded, I thought that there was, and I know there was some buzz about, you know, shopping it elsewhere uh, and things like that. When um, NBC decided to pull out, and then you know it was determined that they couldn't survive just on TNN and UPN, and there was kind of some thought that well, maybe if something comes along, you know, if someone approaches Vince or WWE with this, you know, can't miss deal, then it would restart again. But that was quickly you know thrown out the window, and that thirty for thirty, you know, nostalgia is a funny thing. Right? We look back at some of the most absurd and some of the lowest quality stuff, and we have this weird um, feeling of how we want it to return. And I, I equate it to, like, you know, the Nickelodeon shows when I was a kid, you know, Doug and Rocco's Modern Life and, and all those kind of shows. They're sort of getting a rebirth. I mean, they've already rebooted all that. They're rebooting um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? There was talk about, you know, a a follow-up to Clarissa Explains All those shows from my childhood, which were, you know, objectively not great television shows. Right. I mean, I thought they were great because I was a kid, but they're all, you know, nostalgia and the rose-colored glasses when we look back at our childhood. All of a sudden, they look a lot better. So I think that that 30 for 30 episode... I was shocked at the reaction. You know, I figured, okay, you know, we're going to see the jokes and everything on social media about the XFL, but people really, and I don't know if they enjoyed the special or what it was, but people were really reminiscing in a positive way about the league through that 30 for 30 special. And that surprised me, but that there was no way that I thought that was going to lead into anything more.
1: Right, right. And, it, of course, it did. And, you right. know, when I first heard the XFL was coming back, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I had yeah. to do some research to find out that it was actually real news. Yeah. Yeah, because it was crazy, of course. And, and then once it was announced and and McMahon made his announcement and everything, it, I, I just kind of said, well, look at that. It is coming back. Because uh-huh. you could tell when he made his announcement that this was the real deal. Yeah. yeah he was serious. And of course, he's not going to joke about something like this. So I thought that was pretty good. But like with over the time, it's been a it's been a long wind up to getting you know to the the point when we're actually going to put some football on the field. Mm-hmm. But what has been the most exciting piece for you? Has it been the hiring of the coaches, or the reveal of the team identities, or is it the hiring of the players? I, I
2: think you know anyone who's seen my. Uh, summer showcase spreadsheet that I'll tweet out a lot um, and and my updating of it uh, probably knows that it's the player component of it uh, because, you know, you can, you can hire the coaches, you can give the team names, but it doesn't become real until you start talking players. And for me, that was the most interesting thing uh, as a, as a really, you know, I consider myself a pretty educated football fan as far as knowing the players um, I'm a huge NFL draft nerd. I'll do a seven a seven round mock draft every year, so I pay attention to you know the deep college rosters, um, the, the draft season, and you know the sleepers from the small schools and things like that. And you know I'm I'm pretty well versed in in NFL rosters one for fifty three, so I can understand that that a lot of people kind of looked at those summer showcase rosters and, and probably didn't recognize a lot of names. And that's again that's understandable. But for me, you know, I, I recognize so many of them. and it, that's where, that's where it became real for me, and that's where it became interesting enough for me to want to put together that, that Google Docs that I've you know been putting together since the, the showcases started, keeping track of who appeared at the showcases, keeping track of who's received XFL draft invites and, and who uh, from the showcases has been signed to. NFL training camp rosters over the summer. I find that whole process very interesting. And I think a lot of it, too, is just the unknown. I think there's still a lot about the XFL draft and the player contracts that we don't know a lot about. So it's it's kind of fun to speculate just because there's there's so many different options on the table. And, you know, the XFL may have decided on, on where, what direction they're headed. They just haven't released that information. I mean, we know that they've signed Landry Jones to a Tier 1 contract. Um, but there's there's still a lot of mystery surrounding that. So that lends itself to a lot of discussion and, and theories.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, of course, Landry Jones is the only one we know that has yeah. a contract right now. And you're right about the speculation. I mean, uh, all you have to do is go online to see it. And, you, of course, you maintain a spreadsheet. Uh, right now it's on Google Docs, and it lists right now it lists over 140 players who have been invited mm-hmm. to be part of the draft. In October and uh, I just wanted to point out if anyone's interested in viewing the list they should just look up your Twitter at Greg M Parks and because you tweet out links to the list whenever you've updated it yeah it's
2: it's uh, pinned to my profile so you don't have to you don't have to go very far through my tweets to find it I've got it right there I usually pin the latest update that I tweet out
1: right I I think a lot of people appreciate what you're doing there and uh, I think they're they're following that list quite closely And of course, players are following it too. Uh, uh, How do they, how do they, if they're not on the list, do they just, should they just send you a tweet and say, add me or? Yeah, I've gotten quite a
2: few direct messages through Twitter. I've opened my DMs to to anyone. So, you know, they're not set to private. I don't have to follow you. You don't have to follow me to DM me. So I've had players DM me. I've had agents DM me uh, about, um, you know, so-and-so got an invite or, you know, somebody will send me a screenshot of their invite and I'll add them to the list and I've, you know, I've been able to add a lot of players that way. Obviously, um, a lot of players will tweet out their invite. And so, you know, that's another avenue that I've used to collect uh, the data that uh, that I've added to the spreadsheet. And, of course, Mike Mitchell, um, fellow XFL board columnist, you know, he's got a, a lot of contacts within the league and, and throughout the um, players and, and agents. And, you know, he's been able to collect a lot of that information that I've been able to uh, use as well.
1: Well, that's great. I think people really appreciate that. And if anyone has missed it, it's just look up Greg M. Parks on Twitter and they'll find it. Now, they've, like I said, they've only officially signed one player. And we're kind of anticipating they're going to sign more players. When do you think that may happen? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, the
2: timeline is really interesting because we're, you know, coming up on a month-ish away from the draft. Right. Um. You would think that, and, and so much of it is we don't we don't know the XFL draft process. You know, there's been rumors of, you know, quarterbacks or tier one quarterbacks or tier one players will be separate from the general draft. They may do segments of positional uh, positional segments within the draft. That's been tossed out there as speculation as well. Um, you know, so I, I don't I don't really know what to expect as far as that goes. Uh, There are a lot of players, I think, who were cut from NFL camps just last week who maybe are hoping to get a few tryouts and, and maybe get signed to practice squats with the NFL, and they may be hesitant to sign any kind of contract right now. They may say, okay, you know, I'll go through the process of confirming an invite to the draft that I get, and I'll be a part of the draft process, but during that time, I'll still be working out for teams and will still be Basically on the market and available for NFL teams if they want to sign. So I think it sounds like the majority of players uh, will sign if they are drafted after the draft. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a ton of players signed before that, just so that they have still have their options open when it comes to the NFL.
1: So the the signing of Landry Jones was uh, part um, maybe a little bit of a publicity uh, mm-hmm. stint to. To show that they're serious about signing quality players, maybe? Yeah,
2: and I think that the Tier 1 players, uh, whether they're quarterbacks or not, we're still not even really clear on, on if that's the case, but I'm
1: sure that they would
2: want to get all those Tier 1 quarterbacks signed before the draft. Um, but again, that's speculation on my part. There's still a, a lot of unknowns about the process.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, you do you remember the XFL draft and the first XFL? I'm sure you do, actually. <laughs> You remember so, who was drafted first? Yeah, Scott Milanovic. Exactly. <laughs> the LA Extreme, and he ended up being the backup
2: to Tom Heddicks, right? Right. The, of course. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is, yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's weird how this is going to come full circle. But uh, like I said, I was a sophomore in high school at the time, and the XFL draft was like uh, middle of the week. I don't know if it's a Tuesday or something like that. Yeah,
1: I remember that. But That's right.
2: I faked
1: being sick. Yeah.
2: So that I could stay home yeah. and yeah. follow the draft because it was online and you know, this was still in the era of I think we still had dial-ups so you had to refresh the page every few minutes yeah. to update the draft and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, there was but a I lot remember, of that going on. Yeah, I remember specifically faking being sick so I could stay home and follow the draft online. And how it's kind of come full circle is I'm a teacher now. So now I have I have to wonder like Am I going to take a stay when I um, when the draft rolls around if it's in the middle of the week again so that I can stay home and, and monitor it again? I mean, it's just it's so weird how that's worked. But yeah, that's my. It's funny you ask about that because that's my XFL draft story.
1: Right. Well, that's that's very interesting. I'm glad I asked that. <laughs> that's very good. Um, now uh, you mentioned that there's one tier one player designated, or one tier one slot designated for each team, and then three tier mm-hmm. th- two slots. Is that right? Yeah. So how do you think they're going to allocate those? Like are the tier one slots going to be all quarterbacks? Yeah.
2: You know, I think that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really not sure about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, there's just so much unknown. I mean, we could, we could speculate, you know, for the day as long to, to figure this out. I think the quarterback, I think is the important aspect of this because in order to be, I think, a successful league from a quality of football standpoint, you need to have strong quarterbacks on every team. So I think that the whole idea of the tier one process is to give everyone a strong quarterback. Is there a possibility that a team would forego that and say, "No, I want to base my team around a strong running game. Doesn't matter who our quarterback is. I have a running back in mind, whoever that might be." You know, that that might be the case. I'm not sure how flexible the league would be with that, um, but Yeah. The the other question you have to ask is, are there enough quality tier one type quarterbacks to really make it worth having all of them tier one? Um, We know Landry Jones. uh, He's been a strong backup in the league for a long time, was a very uh, accomplished college football player at Oklahoma, so he's got the credentials. But I think it all depends on how many quarterbacks the the league can lure because there's going to be some quarterbacks who are free agents right now. And I know that Cardell Jones is a big name that's out there. And I think a lot of XFL fans would like to see him in the league. But if he decides, no, I'm going to wait till an injury hits the NFL and I'm going to, you know, kind of wait that out, all of a sudden the, the potential quarterback pool for those tier one players gets a little more shallow. So are there eight? tier one worthy quarterbacks out there? I think that's a question we have to ask. And if there aren't, that's when I think you might see the XFL be a little more flexible and say, okay, maybe there aren't eight tier one level quarterbacks, but maybe we've got a couple strong running backs or wide receivers who we'd like to lure and use that. Cause I mean, the tier one is about the money they're making. So if you can lure a big name, free agent wide receiver with that tier one money, it may be worth it to to pick them over a middle-of-the-road quarterback who might not be worthy of that Tier 1 money. So, you know, it's just – I think that would be the way to go, but it it depends on the league and each coach's philosophy of the importance of the quarterback.
1: So that's why this is so interesting then, because we want to see how this is going to play out, and it's going to be fun to see how each team – deals with this and how they how they, how they create a team mm-hmm. uh with uh, of tier one and tier two and then draft yeah it'll be interesting hmm. um do you think the league will tell the teams how to use these slots or do you think it's up to these the coaches and general managers of course coach slash general managers
2: yeah i think it should be up to the coaches and general managers i i think it, it, you i understand that the xfl wants to put these teams on a level playing field because you don't want to see blowouts every week. That's not going to attract the fans. You want to get as even as possible, but I think in an effort to even the playing field as much as possible, I think you take away some level of competitive edge and you take away some level of competitive advantage. So I think I understand the league wanting to you know, make the draft as level of a playing field as possible, but I don't think you want to do that to the point where you lose out on that competitiveness and where you lose out on allowing the team's flexibility. So I prefer to see, you know, if, if Bob Stoops, you know, there's been a lot of discussion linking Landry Jones to Dallas and Bob Stoops for good reason. But, you know, if you've got a defensive guy like Bob Stoops is, he may decide he wants a a strong rush end who can affect the quarterback as a tier one guy. And uh, You know, should the league have the ability to say, no, we want you to use that tier one spot on a quarterback? You know, I think that's where you get into how much interference is the league going to have in putting these rosters together and and, and allowing the teams and the coaches flexibility to really put a stamp on their own roster.
1: Well, I, I, in that being said, I really don't think the the league is going to tell Bob Stoops how to how to create his team. I really can't I would see hope it.
2: not.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, the other interesting uh, thing we learned recently was uh, was in Houston, where the head coach said he really he put Johnny Manziel on his list. So that was June mm-hmm. Jones, of course, and he also hinted that other uh, coaches had Johnny Manziel on his list. So do you think there's a chance Johnny Football might be brought into this league? I don't see the downside, to be honest with you.
2: Um, Now, if you're asking me, should he be a Tier 1 quarterback, that's when I sort of start to wrinkle my nose a little bit. Because, to me, nothing he's done at the professional level warrants him being a a Tier 1 quarterback. And maybe you could say the same about Landry Jones. He's been a career backup. I mean, you you could make that same argument there, I suppose. Um, But, you know, you look at Johnny Manziel's history in the AAF and, and the CFL, and, you know, he's started a couple games, but he's never really taken hold of a starting job in one of those leagues. So and this is another thing, you know, how much premium do you put on name value? Because you want to have stars that the fans recognize, football fans, and who will draw eyeballs. And I think Johnny Manzella's is a guy, polarizing as he might be, who will draw some curiosity seekers to some of the games. If he's a starter, which that's no guarantee, uh, so you know, just putting him in the pool and making him draft eligible and and allowing him to be a part of the league, I, I don't see a downside with that. But I think when you start putting him on a pedestal, um, that's when you 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 run the risk of prioritizing name value and prioritizing the press that the league might get for that over the quality of play, and that's a dangerous rope to tight walk.
1: Yeah, of course. You'd have to have the quality of play. Yeah. That would have to happen. And if it didn't, then, well, it would not be a good situation. Right. Um, We've seen what
2: happens with that.
1: Well, you know, when Johnny Manziel, when Johnny Football started at, in the CFL, I was I did watch the game, the first game he played, mm. and that he actually started in. And, yeah, a lot of people did. They tuned in to check that out and uh, see what kind of... Um, either miracle or debacle they would see (laughs) and of course his first game that he started he didn't do very well which is probably expected when you think about it so with the xfl i'm sure you'll get the same reaction uh, but he would have to perform Mm -hmm.
2: yeah and and, uh, even if he's a tier one quarterback i don't know that that would guarantee him a starting spot i think that uh you know competition should be you know and this is again totally up to the coaches but you would think that competition would be open at, at every position for the starting spot. So you may come in as a tier one quarterback, but you still got to win the job. Um, and I think that's how every head coach should approach the, uh, the preseason and, and the training camps.
1: Right. So uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit. And so you recently wrote a very informative piece for XFL board that included your thoughts about the team names, the XFL chose. Mm-hmm. And this was your piece was based on the, the other team names the league registered for the, and they registered five different names for each team. Isn't it surprising how they registered so many names? This,
2: this process, I, I got to confess while I'm, you know, knee deep in players and I could tell you, you know, who so-and-so played for, you know, the process of coming up with names for teams and trademarking them. I'm a bit in the dark on that kind of thing. So, I don't know if this is par for the course for previous sports leagues. I didn't follow the AAF all that closely as far as, you know, what they did when they came up with team names or what expansion teams, how they operate. Um, you know, so this, this may be the norm. This may be unusual. I, I really can't speak to that, but I think the interesting thing was that, you know, they were eventually found and made public, not necessarily by the league, but by a search, um, so yeah, that was that was the interesting part to me.
1: Right, and that and that they were there, that yeah, they, yeah that they existed. Because you know we did hear a, f- a couple of rumors about the the Washington team being named the D.C. Defenders, which turned out to be true. And there was rumors about the Vipers name, but it was attached to Houston for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was kind of a wild rumor. Both of those were wild rumors, and it was, turned out there was truth to both of them. But there was no leakage of anything else. Uh, but since, since those two names leaked out, you wonder why there was even registered of four other names for each of those teams since they seems they had decided on those names. But we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, it,
2: it's interesting. I don't know if you could ever get someone in the league office on the record to explain you know, what the process was like. I think that'd be a really interesting conversation to have um, as far as what the process was, who was involved in the process. You know, um, for for not only coming up with the names, but coming up with the, the logos and the color schemes as well. I think that'd be a, yeah. a really interesting uh, discussion.
1: Well, I'd, I'd like to have that discussion with somebody about the logos uh, with the league. Uh, I'm try, actually trying to get get someone to talk to me about that. I and mean, One thing I always wondered, because it, it took so long for the names to be released. I always wondered if maybe Vince yeah. McMahon had some sort of veto power on them and he was exercising it in some way. Right. Yeah,
2: that's, uh, you know, that's the uh, $64,000 question is Vince McMahon and what his role not only is, but will be going forward. Um, We know that he's the the money man. We know how involved and how much of a presence he was during the league in 2001. Um, He was at the first game. He did the press conference where, you know, he had that trademark Vince McMahon bluster about what the league was going to be. Uh, the the famous halftime show skit he was involved in that he did the the famous interview with Bob Costas where he or was it was it Costas or I think it was Costas where I mean he got all riled up at at Bob Costas yeah it was Costas yeah the league and everything like that so you know those were that was a different Vince McMahon um, same in a lot of ways but he's aged quite a bit since then I, I don't know that he has the um, the same rancor in him that he did back in 2001 we've we've seen him at this point you know take a really big step back he was on that first uh you know introduction that you talked about when he uh, brought the league back and we haven't seen him since then and i think that's to me that was one of the more surprising things about the reveal of the team names was that vince didn't make an appearance you know he may have been there in some capacity but he wasn't on camera. He let Oliver Luck handle that. And I think right. the more Vince stays in the background, uh, the better off the league is going to be. Because I don't think you want to constantly remind people that, you know, Vince McMahon, who was the head of the league in 2001 when it was this spectacular failure, is, is in charge of this league again. I think you want to make Oliver Luck, who has unblemished sports credentials as far as. What he's done in, in collegiate athletics, with the NFL Europe, and, and all that kind of stuff, I think you want to make him front and center. The not so much maybe the face of the league, maybe at this stage of the game, yes, yeah. but you want to make him the person. You know, all all roads run through him, so to speak, right, when it comes right. to the league. And I think you know what role Vince has in the day to day operations, or when the league starts play week to week, what's his role going to be? how visible is he going to be? Um, that's really something that's going to be interesting to track in the coming months.
1: Right, right. So that, that's a real smart move to keep Vince out of the proceedings and have Oliver. of And that's
2: hard to do. You know, when he's got his money involved in something, he wants a, a big say and he wants to be front and center with that. And this is a very un-Vince-like move so far that we've seen yeah. uh, with the handling of the XFL.
1: Yeah, so you remember when the XFL1 uh, debuted? I mean, we talked about that, and you saw the game, and you remember what Vince McMahon said when he went on the field, right? Oh, yeah. In his, this is...
2: Yeah, duh. in his gravelly voice. XFL! And, you know, weird as it may seem, I'd like to see him do it again. Yeah, I'd like to see him do it. Yeah. I think that would be a great... And I know... I, I'm as much as I enjoyed the first XFL. I completely understand why Oliver Luck and everybody else is running, fleeing from any comparisons to the XFL 2001. So, you know, I, it, it's kind of a pipe dream that that would happen because I think that's drawing more of a parallel to the 2001 league than this um, than this league wants to. But there's a real big part of me that would like to see Vince walk out onto the field again and, and bellow that out one more time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe it will. No. But <laughs> but you know what? I think he, if it did happen, he deserves it, obviously. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're spending his money. So, a uh, lot of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of it going in there. So did you see who won our XFL logo bracket on XFLboard.com?
2: I believe I just was on there. I
1: think it was St. Louis, correct? Yeah, the St. Yeah. Louis Battlehawks won the bracket, and every matchup they went in, they the voting was was mad for the Battlehawks. Huh. Like they seemed to have an army of fans, and I see. I managed the website, of course, so I went in and looked to see who was voting and tried to see whether somebody was stacking the ballot box. And it didn't really look like it. It seemed pretty be a lot of different people voting in there different browsers different ips uh it was yeah there was a lot of them voting for st louis so they won hands down
2: yeah that's that's interesting i mean st louis is i think one of if not the only city in the uh in the xfl to not have a pro football team also in that city yeah so it, it could be just the hunger of the fans in st louis who lost the rams and you know, they, they're hunger for the return of pro football, and they're willing to latch on to the Battlehawks, and I think that's a really good sign.
1: Yeah, it's a great sign. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sit back and watch and see where it takes us.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, that's great, uh, Greg. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us today, yeah. and uh, I know we will be calling you in uh, future podcasts because we just love your football insight. <laughs>
2: Well I appreciate it, Mark, and I appreciate XFL board giving me an opportunity to um talk about the XFL. You know, I-, I loved the original incarnation. I'm I'm hoping to love this one. And uh you know, I'm just really excited about the process that we're in right now where we're in in on the ground floor of a of a new league that's looking to make spring football work really for the first time in a long time. So Um, There's just so much to talk about, so much to think about, and I appreciate you giving me the platform to um, give my thoughts.
1: Great. Well, that's excellent. So just to recap, people can find you on xflboard.com or pwtorch.com, right?
2: Correct. Yep. I do a uh, podcast every week, um, Sundays at 8 p.m. It's called Wrestling Night in America, and you can listen live at pwtorchdailycast.com. It's part of the Torch's daily cast lineup of podcasts. Um, if you're a big wrestling fan and you're not a member of, of the torch, I heartily endorse, uh, the, the platform at, um, uh, PW, uh, let me, let me think, um, <laughs> the vip.pwtorch.com is where you can go to sign up. I have a column, a full page column every week in the torch newsletter, which you can get by mail or you can get it, um, as a VIP member through the website. So. Yeah, I do podcasts, I do writing, and and things like that for The Torch. So um, uh, that's that's somewhere else you can find me in addition to XFL Board and in addition to Twitter, at Greg M. Parks. I think 99% of my tweets are wrestling or XFL-related. So um, if you're a fan of one or not the other, I apologize, but that's kind of what my Twitter feed has become.
1: Well, that's great. Well, it's been nice talking with you. Absolutely,
2: Mark. Good talking to you as well.
1: Thanks for joining us. Thanks again to our guests, Trovon Reed and Greg Parks. I think it's interesting how Greg referred to quarterbacks like Cardell Jones, waiting to see if there was interest from NFL teams. And then we actually saw the Seahawks sign him to their practice roster, which happened just after the interview was recorded. That's it for this podcast. This was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFLboard.com's first podcast. Oh, you-